don't take no mess at the rose garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrabble it. How they win that game today. There's just one thing you can say. How does Scotty shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dot that's in your lap. I mean, I, I guess it's a transition here to, you know, the other thing we have to talk about because, you know, we've talked about, you know, you talked a little bit about, like, asking him about, you know, the Dame stuff because that was going on at, that was, like, right in the heat of it at the time. Like, after they used the pick instead of trading it, there was, like, the speculation that he was going to request a trade and then a few days later he did. And since then, really, I have, I have like, not really talked about it that much on the podcast and like in stuff i've written believe it or not like i've covered it when there's been new developments like the memo the league sent out or the mark spears interview or whatever but for the most part everything that was true on july 1st which was dame wants to be traded to miami and joe cronin is not that interested in the stuff that miami has to offer that stuff was true on july 1st that stuff is true on what is today september 6th that we're recording this Really, the, like, the basic facts of the situation haven't changed, and there's been no signs that there's been any movement on any side yeah. towards the situation changing. And, I mean, it could change, but, like, right now I'm operating under the assumption that Dame is going to be a member of the Portland Trailblazers when training camp opens in a few weeks. So I'm very interested to see how, like, how do you think it, like, how, how do you see that playing out? I mean, uh, the um, it's, it's, it's going to be like uh, the the just week of profound awkwardness through yeah. the NBA if James Harden is in Philly on opening or you know whatever media day or opening day of training camp, right. and Damian Lillard is in Portland. Um, I, I just I don't. It's rare enough that we have even one of these <laughs> ever, <laughs> uh, much less two simultaneously, one for each coast. Um, I don't, dude, I have no idea. I, 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 I could not even hazard a guess as to what we're going to see three weeks, three and a half weeks, whatever it is from now. Right. Um, or whether it will somehow magically resolve by then. Um, the only prediction I will make is this. Okay. okay. If Damian Lillard has not been traded by the time camp opens, mm -hmm. if James Harden has not been traded by the time training camp opens, they're going to be in their respective camps with their respective teams uh, uh, bathing in their respective awkwardness that they have created for themselves. Um, that's the reality. The yeah. reality is if you are under contract in this league, you can't just sit at home unless the team decides to give you permission to while they're working something out because they think it's imminent. And if it's not imminent, they're not going to give you permission. And if you stay out without permission, then they have every right legally and otherwise to dock your pay and they will and like go ask ben simmons right right um ben simmons by the way the first person in the 20 uh, this is going into my 27th season now ben simmons is the only one i know of who under contract just decided eh, i'm just not showing up take take my pay we'll I'll, I'll figure it out later we'll we'll file a grievance we'll come to some kind of agreement and i think they came to some kind of agreement but he still lost millions um the beauty of being an NBA player in 2023 is that, especially if you're at Damian Lillard or James Harden's level, you have made such an incredible amount of wealth that sacrificing 
five, ten million if it came to it. I mean, it still matters, but it doesn't matter nearly as much when you've already got enough to set yourself and several generations up for, for a long time. Um, so they could afford to if they want to. So I, I guess I shouldn't be that definitive about them holding out, but I'm, I'm pretty sure they're not holding out. I'm pretty sure they're not going to sacrifice the millions. Um, they may not well, like Harden it. is such a wild card. I can, I can say pretty confidently as somebody who knows Dame pretty well, I don't see him doing that. Like, that's not yeah. who he is. That's, that's just... Well, it's so counter to his entire he and i've been saying this yeah. since you know from the beginning of this whole thing he's he still cares a lot about protecting his image and his reputation and i don't think he's going to go that route yeah and listen to, to, i'll take that one step further i think that he and james harden i don't even can, i don't even view them the same with with regard to that would james harden like we've already seen james harden in houston basically tank a few weeks of, of camp slash games and, and, and act up and do all kinds of stuff to make it really uncomfortable for the Rockets. I mean, I, that I would say just flat out by definition was unprofessional behavior. Yes. Damian Lillard is not capable of any of that. And I mean that as, as the highest of compliments. And I it's agree. the reason why a lot of the noise coming out of his camp earlier in the summer felt a little hollow to me because Damian Lillard is not James Harden. Damian Lillard's not going to just screw around and go to the clubs and show up out of shape and 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 uh sleepwalk through games for the you saw that marks the one time he's commented on this publicly was the mark spears interview he did like a week or two ago and he basically said like he confirmed that he requested a trade but he was like i'm not going to comment on it he could have easily done you know done what james harden did in china where he got on a microphone and was like daryl morey is a lie like dame could have done that if he wanted to he chose not to he, he's uh, we, you, you, you and your listeners know better than anyone. He's a consummate professional and he does things the right way. And he's respectful of, of people and of the process. Um, I, I don't think he's, he's just not wired to make this a mess. And I, I, I think we should respect that and honor that as opposed to saying that's somehow a detriment because it won't get him where he wants to go right. sooner than later. You know what I mean? And that's the thing. It's like, it's hard, you know, uh, I'm going to, uh, uh, date myself but like the old Howard Jones song no one else, no one ever is to blame like like I don't blame Damian Lillard for asking out when he did um, maybe he should have sooner I don't blame the Blazers for wanting the best possible return package but maybe they should have tried to trade him sooner or chosen a different path we could get into that if you want I'm sure you're exhausted of it um, <laughs> I don't blame the Miami Heat for um, you know making the offers they have waiting as long as they have to, to, to have this happen, um, holding out hope that it still will happen or having a strong belief that it still will happen. I don't blame anybody for the positions they're in. Everyone's doing what they're supposed to do. Damian Lillard at this point in his career has every right to act in his own best interests, especially given that the Blazers have taken a path that very, very clearly is not, not about trying to win at a high right. level in the totally. present. Um, and they telegraphed that even a year ago when they could have traded the lottery pick and, and instead took, took uh Shaden Sharp. Shade and Sharp yeah. So um, they have telegraphed this for some time. So, I, and, and again, I don't blame them for wanting to protect their future, but I, I've, I've said many times in, in the last year or so, I feel like they've been straddling the fence in a way that was not um, not productive and, and not wise, and certainly not with Dame Lillard's best interests in mind. You can't straddle the fence on the present and future that way. I didn't even like it when, when the Warriors were doing it, with their two timeline plan that they have now since abandoned. Um, it's really hard to pull off. And you, if you have a player of Steph, Cal- uh, of Steph Curry's caliber, of Damian Lillard's caliber, of LeBron James's caliber, 
I'm not saying they're all at the same level, but these are all-time players. When right. you have a player of that level, you are obligated to be all in at all times. The, the Blazers chose a different path, which put them in this position, which pushed Dame to make the decision that he did, that he made. But I don't blame the Blazers now being in this position for demanding the best possible return package. And if they, like, we, it's funny the way we debate all these things. Oh, of course what the Heat is offering is enough. No, it's not enough. It, it, it's not really for us to decide. Like, the market is the market, and each team has to decide what their best player is ultimately worth. And if the Blazers have decided that Tyler Hero plus a couple of picks plus Jovic or, or Hakez or whoever is not enough, well, that, that's their right. That's their right to get the best possible return. And if they are convinced that's not the best possible return, I don't blame them for trying to, uh, you know, gin up the market a little bit more and see if somebody will take a swing. And I get it. I know. Dame has already made it clear through various channels that he's not going to be happy anywhere else. But again, and by the way, I have no issue with you're talking about like everybody's position is understandable. I, you know, if I even if I were, you know, the Blazers, like it's annoying, but I would I have no issue with Aaron Goodwin, you know, doing what he did earlier this summer, giving those interviews saying he only wants to play in Miami because when you're an agent, your job is to get your guy where your guy wants to go. He yeah. was maybe I think it, I think it didn't land because, you know, like we talked about trying to be like, oh, well, Dame won't show up if, you know, he goes traded somewhere else. Every Because Dame is who he is, everybody was just like, yeah, okay, dude, for sure. Yeah. Nobody, <laughs> but, but I even like every, like, I understand why they're, why they're uh, doing that. Also, I'll, I'll put it this way. Uh, when they moved up to three in the lottery, they had the fifth odds and j really just kind of the assumption since the end of the season, because of uh the comments that Joe Cronin made at uh, his end of season press conference and at his trade deadline press conference, which I have said and written were a bit of a misstep for him as far as public messaging. He basically telegraphed that, you know, we're going to go all in. We're going to push all our chips in. We're going to do everything we can do to build a winner around Dame. And my assumption from that point forward was unless the pick became number one, because nobody's trading Victor Wembanyama. And by the way, Dame would have been, totally happy if the Bladers had gotten the number one pick and drafted Wemby. He would have been into that. I know that pretty solidly. But as soon as Joe said that stuff at the end of the season and at the, after the deadline, my assumption was that unless the pick was number one, they were going to trade the pick. And I think that was the assumption of a lot of people around the league. It was that whoever shook free of, like, the Mikel Bridges, Pascal Siakam, Jalen Brown, like, whoever in that kind of tier of, like, second guy that they could have gotten for Dame with that pick was going to be the direction that they went. And they decided not to because I think once the pick moved up to three and they saw, you know, oh, you know, we could get Scoot and we could get Scoot on a rookie-scale contract, I think at that point they valued the pick so highly that they were just like, nothing that we could get on the trade market is going to be as valuable as this pick. And what I've been saying since the trade request is that if they valued the number three pick that highly that they wouldn't trade it for, you know, any of those guys I named, how do you think they're valuing Damian Lillard on the trade market? Like, yeah. they wouldn't trade the third pick for somebody that like that, but they're going to trade Dame for you know what has been reported as the Miami package. Like that, yeah. those two things don't really add up. Calculus could be different on those two decisions, but I see what you're saying. Uh -huh. um, I, I just looked at it all along as you know, if you wanted to, uh, you know, pivot toward the future, fine. Proactively decide to trade Damian Lillard. They didn't do that. If you want to be all in on the present with Damian Lillard, fine, trade last year's pick, trade this year's pick, you know, do everything possible, trade your youth, trade Anthony Simons, whatever. But they, they didn't. They didn't choose either path. 
they chose they chose this this middle path of, of, of straddling a fence and this is where it landed them so like i that's the one thing where it's like you know yeah no one's to blame but they i but as an organization they are to blame for putting themselves in this position by never right. truly picking a viable path they picked a middle road that was never going to be uh you know realistic and so so this is where they are and look dame is under contract for what is it four years three left. plus a player option but the, it's right. a 60 million it's a 63 it's a, million yeah. dollar player option when he's 37 he's, so he's yeah, under he's contract for four years exactly yeah some some player options are not really options they're not turning that down right so he's under contract for four years and and again he's wired the way he is if i'm the trailblazers i would have i would still be operating under the belief that if a team is is willing to trade for him and, and has a trade package that exceeds Miami's, then you should make that deal. Like, I don't think they're obligated to send him to Miami just because he wants to go there. Um, especially when he's under contract for as long as he is. And so that, that part is, is where I diverge a little bit from, you know, what Dame or his camp is trying to put out. Like, you know, the contracts are, are still supposed to mean something in this league. Right. Um, and, you know, once you sign the contract, being traded or the the vulnerability to being traded just goes with it that's just that's just how it is um that's the system if you don't like that system then you know in collective bargaining you try to change that system and say that there's no such thing as trades anymore or no trades without permission of the player in all cases everybody has a no trade clause but that's not the system the system is one where the contract is not really about that team it's a contract with an nba team to pay you x amount but that whole th that whole agreement can be transferred to one of the other 29 teams and then they're obligated to pay you amounts. They're not obligated to keep you. They're only obligated to pay you for your services and you're obligated to provide those services. And so at the most basic level the Trailblazers should be able to take advantage of a real market where if not 29 teams, at least a half dozen or something who could use Dame to get closer to a title should be able to be in the running and be bidding against each other. And I think what's unfortunate about the tack that that Damon his camp took is it made it harder to trade him because it, it strangled the market and I would have said that I've said the same thing not just that I would have said the same thing I've said the same thing in, in many uh, cases like this Kyrie forcing his way out of Cleveland um, Anthony Davis forcing his way out of New Orleans um, but at least in those cases like when Anthony Davis says I want out and I only want to go to one team the Lakers well he was on a expiring deal by that point or he he was when he first started making noise and when he got fined or maybe right. Rich Paul got fined, it was it was the, the, the prior it, half season. But it wasn't still, four years. By the time he got traded, he was down to his last year. And when you're Paul George wanting to leave Indiana, whether you're Kawhi wanting to leave San Antonio, the guys who are one year out, that you can just classify that as courtesy. I'm going right. to leave as a free agent anyway. Trade me now and get something of value back for me. When you constrict the market by saying, I only want to go to one place, it makes it very difficult. Now, that said, the Pelicans still got everything <laughs> and more out right. of the, the Lakers in that negotiation. Um, but in most cases, you really strangle the market. When it's a one-year deal, you can do that because you're a flight risk. Damian Lillard's not a flight risk, and he's not a holdout risk. So would he be upset if he landed in, I don't know, I don't even want to throw out, you know, hypotheticals. But I have a few in mind that we're not going to get into on the air yeah, because it's but, going to get aggregated. But yeah, yeah. But 
all right, he wouldn't be that happy, but is he going to report? I, I think you and I would agree. Like, of course he's going to report, and then he'll he'll make the best of it. But, but and he'll those... talk himself into it as a good basketball situation, like Donovan right. Mitchell did last year with Cleveland when he wanted to go to New York. Exactly. There's another great example. Thank you. You know that that's not where Dan, Donovan Mitchell set out to be either. Um, but you know, it, it 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 takes a team that is confident enough in who they are that they'll make the deal knowing that there's going to be backlash from his representation, that there's going to be backlash maybe from Damien himself quietly behind the scenes because that's the way he'll do it. But he's going to show up. And if you didn't give up too much to get him and you've got great players still there and you give him the path to title contention, I think he'd probably get over pretty quickly. So, um, you know, uh, all that said, there are a lot of people around the league who've been telling me for months Stop trying to talk yourself into something else. He's going to end up in Miami one way or another. <laughs> right. Were you, what year did you move from uh, LA to New York? Uh, 2004. Okay, so you weren't there for the 07 Kobe trade request. No, I covered it from a distance for the New York Times, but. But you were I there for the not... Shaq. You were there for the Shaq stuff, though, right? <laughs> Shaq's trade demand after they lost to the Pistons in 2004, um, Shaq made that demand uh, on a conference call. Like, he made it public on a conference call with me, Tim Brown from the LA Times, and I think Brad Turner, um, and I think Brad was at the Riverside Press Enterprise then, I'm pretty sure. Um, I remember sitting in the parking lot in El Segundo, where the Lakers practice facility was, sitting in their parking lot on a curb. This is pre, like, I've got a, like a Nokia brick phone. I've got nothing on the phone that can tape a call. So I'm cradling it on my shoulder, scribbling furiously on my little reporter notepad, trying to get all Shaq's quotes down as he's telling me and Tim and Brad, I've, I'm demanding a trade today uh, from the Lakers. Uh, and then, yeah, a few weeks later, he's traded to the Heat for uh, the Lamar Odom, Karan Butler, Brian right. Grant package. But you weren't there for the Kobe stuff. No, no. And that, that was like, that was, that was quite a meltdown. That was like multiple interviews, radio, TV, whatever. Kobe's like repeating this over and over. And the Lakers, you know, did make some attempts, I think, to, to see what the market would be. And, by some reports that it, you know it was close with this team, it was close with that team, Detroit, Chicago, some others. Um, I never believed he was really going to be traded, um, and of, of course they hung on to him. And then you know half a season later they trade for Pau Gasol, and you know the rest is history. Yeah, that's kind of the that that's that's kind of the the if if the market doesn't improve, that's kind of been something I've, I've thrown out there as something that might happen in in the, obviously not to the same degree because Dame is not Kobe, but like. It's it remember I the one that I remember is, you know, they they had a deal with the Bulls and Kobe had a no trade clause. And he used the no trade clause to veto the trade because Luol Dang was gonna come back in the trade. And Kobe was like, No, if I'm going to Chicago, I wanna play with Luol Dang and so he vetoed the trade and eventually the Lakers were like I mean, honestly, like the one that I could kind of see this more going like is the Durant one from last summer where he asked for a trade. It was pretty clear. He didn't, like, come out and say one team and one team only like Dame's people have been doing. But it was pretty well known to everybody that he wanted to go to Phoenix. Yeah. And the Nets, you know, they did ask around. They did test the market. But they came to him eventually and were like, look, dude, we didn't find a deal we like. You're under contract for four years, you know. What are, you, what are we going to do? And so then they decided to give it another go for, like, another half season. Now, I don't know if that's going to work out the same way here if that happened because like you said like they have clearly chosen the path of uh you know they drafted scoot 
they have him and Shaden Sharp as, like, the new guy they're building around. Like, it's clearly not, like, a situation where Dame is going to look at this and say, well, you know, if I ride this out, you know, we could be title contenders. Like, I don't think they're anything close to title contenders with him or without him. But I don't, I don't think so, but I, I guess there's some fantasy scenario here where they get off to, like, you know, a 12-2 and two start and everybody's rolling and they're having a good time and, and, you know, Sharp has taken a leap and Simons has taken a leap and Scoot is, you know... You know, uh, you know, even better than expected on day one. And you know, look, you and I both know, like rookies don't usually win in this league. No, Young teams don't. don't win in this league. I've been—that's um, what I, I've been doing this this whole summer, trying to, you know, obviously, my a lot of my audience and my readers and my listeners have been like super excited about the Scoot and Shade and stuff. And I was like, look, I think Scoot's going to be awesome. But like, I can remember three point guards or four—I guess four—the four that like in the time that I've been, like, cognizantly, like, following the NBA and, you know, to a lesser extent covering it, which is a shorter time than that, but, like, when it comes to, like, rookie point guards that were drafted that high, the four that I can think of that were impact-winning players right away, like, from year one, are Chris Paul, Derek Rose, Luka Doncic, and John Moran. Like, that's a pretty short list, and so, like, I think Scoot's going to be awesome, but, like, it might not, it might be, like, until year two that he's, you know, what people expect him to be. And it depends on your supporting cast too, right? Or your, yeah. your, I should say, surrounding cast in this case. Um, when you're a rookie, I don't know if it's uh, if it's uh, accurate to say supporting cast quite yet. You're not the star yet. Right. Um, but but yeah, I mean, it, it look. Derrick Rose came onto a Bulls team that was stacked. You know, not stacked with superstars, but like Jokic, Noah, Lawal, Dang, Taj Gibson. You know, uh, like they were really good players. Um, ben Gordon. Ben Gordon. Like they were they were really good established players, and. Um, if Dame were going to be there and putting aside for a moment, whether Dame and Scoot, you know, how well they fit and all that stuff. Is there an interesting combination there of like, of, of younger and older with, you know, the, the Jeremy Grants and Nurkic's and Dames on one end and then Shaden Sharp and Scoot at the other end and Simon, like, yeah, I mean, I, I think you could talk yourself into it, but I think you could only talk yourself into it if Dame were maybe three years younger and not with a trade request on the table. So, um, you know, that the, the any, scenarios of that or, or hopes for that I think have, have passed and again in a different universe where maybe Dame has already won a title say and is willing to like you know like like Dirk did say like you know what I just I, I want to be here for the rest of my career and retire with the team that drafted me um, then you might have a different dynamic at, in play but that's not that's just not the case here so um, I do the Durant analogy is interesting um, you know, Durant rescinds his trade request. He, he comes to camp with the Nets. Um, they have their ups and downs, and eventually they got in a real role. And then, you know, Kyrie, Kyrie blows it did up, what right? Kyrie did, yeah. Durant, Kevin Durant may never have re, re, uh, uh, reinitiated his trade request if not for the fact that Kyrie bailed. And at that point, it's like, well, then what am I doing here by myself? So, um, you know, Lillard's motivations and the circumstances are much different than what Durant had in, in Brooklyn. But I do, I think you're right that there is a scenario here where it's put it aside for the time being. Everybody decides to just, you know, play nice and, and let things take their course. And, you know, we see this every year. Every year, like clockwork in the NBA, you get two, three weeks into the NBA season, and there's a couple teams that are really surprising because they're way better than we thought they'd be, and a few that are surprising because they're not nearly as good as we or they thought they would be. And it changes the dynamics of the trade market. It changes what people are willing to put on the table. Um, and look, 
if the, if, the, if the Blazers have decided that there's no combination of Heat assets that's going to work, the upside is still, or the potential for change is still that somebody else who's not the, who, who's not currently operating as the third team in, the facilitator team, or the third and the fourth teams, maybe those are the teams that, ooh, crap, we got off to a really bad start in October, November, and it's time to completely reassess. Maybe though, because that's what you really need, right? If if the Heat cannot possibly do this in a two-way deal by the by the Blazers' estimation, then the way through this is that third team, and maybe it says like, oh, let's go get Tyler Hero and give up some stuff, sure, or something. Yeah, like you know, maybe maybe a team uh, gets off to like let's let's say a better than expected start, and they're like, you know what? Maybe this is actually the year to be all in. Let's put one more. Let's let's push one more chip out the door. Let's push one pick out the door that gets us Hero. Um, and then that pick ends up going to the Blazers, and now now the Blazers have enough picks. That's a, just a hypothetical, right? I don't know how many picks they need, but um, but but yes, yes, there are scenarios there. I think where the clarifying games of the early season might put another team to play that helps this, this thing. Get